My next guest is Dr. John Gray. He's the author of Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. He has spent over 40 years about gender differences and written over 24 books. His books has been translated into 45 languages, uh, 100 countries, so millions of copies. His most recent book is Beyond Mars and Venus, New Relationship Skills for Our Complex Modern World. I can go on and on and on, but uh, uh, you know, I'm just super excited as you can see, right? I can't even contain myself. Please welcome <laughs> Dr. John Gray. Hey, thank you so much. It's, it's CK, is that? That's your... right. Okay, CK, such a pleasure to be with you and happy to talk about this subject. Even the idea of Noble Warrior, um, it's such a cool thing to be focusing on. I'm really happy to be a part of your events. Oh, awesome. Well, actually, you know what? Since I have you here, if you don't mind, what's your interpretation of Noble Warrior? Just oh. that phrase, like you. Well, I'm going to sound very sexist. It's pure masculinity. Mm. Pure mm. man. Not that a woman can't be a noble warrior, but that's a woman on her male side, and uh, and if a woman is a noble warrior, she's also a very happy, loving noble warrior. Mm. And if a man is uh, a noble warrior, he's developing his full potential to be of service and selflessness and achieve in this world, and for others. And that's what makes you feel really good. You know, as a guy, I think back, I can think back at all the things that were difficult where there was resistance and I overcame it. Those are my my great hero moments. And it was for mm. the good of others. Mm. And I guess and putting it in the theme that you talk about, you know, achievement and legacy. Uh, I mean, for me, legacy is, is, is kind of like uh, every day. I want to leave this world a little better than it was. I want to be of help, of service and you know, you talked a little bit about purpose and it takes a while to find your purpose. And, you know, that's our trial and error journey. And for me, it's been a lot of hardships, a lot of mountains to climb, a lot of valleys to fall into, <laughs> but to overcome those realizing that it's through challenge that we, as men, we grow. If we, if our life is too comfortable, too easy, we easily become addicted to pleasures, to pornography, to games, to playing, to laziness is that we have to do something that, uh, it's not always difficult, but every life is filled with difficulties and we don't run from them as that we rise through them. Big, beautiful articulation. Um, to me, warrior means it's not so much to fight the outer world per se. To me, warrior, the definition of it is the willingness to lean into discomfort. To me, that's warrior spirit. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's really beautiful. Leaning into the discomfort that we feel inside. Uh, it's, the willingness to separate ourselves from animals, which is our ability to self-reflect and to be uh, brutally honest and, and intelligent about self-reflection, to not hide from ourselves, but to see our imperfections and our flaws and our dark spots and uh, to feel shame, but then to let it go by committing to change. That's how you let go of shame. You know, if you look at a lot of religions, they say, look, we're not perfect. We all know we're not perfect. But it's only by looking at we're not per the parts of us that are not perfect that show up that we, a noble warrior, is able to reflect on that and then change, overcome mm. that tendency. So mm. one thing is your resistance to what's inside. And that also is a reflection of our resistance to do what we think is the right thing in the outside world. You know, I, I have to squeeze in in our topics that you're guiding me to, which I'm happy to do. Uh, but, you know, my expertise and my purpose to help men and women understand each other better 
and a lot of men listening. And one of the least noble things you can do is use anger to get what you want mm. to know that at least in our world today. Um, sometimes violence is necessary in order to solve a problem in a violent world, but we're something beyond animals as we're evolving to communication, learning how to communicate effectively. And if we just look in our own relationships, uh, if we can realize that there's a hormonal difference between men and women. Now I'm going to talk a lot about our differences and whatever. And, and some people say, Oh, you're just being sexist. And I go, actually, we are different as men and women. So if I talk about differences between men and women, it doesn't mean I'm a sexist. It means I understand how men and women are different. A sexist is someone who puts down the opposite sex, you know, a man who diminishes women uh, in a diminishing judgmental uh, putting down way is sexist. A woman, uh, to me, I see women as, if you want to use the, that termination for sexist, is women are the sexist today, the feminists today are massive sexist because they're always, uh, undermining men. You know, if men could just be more like women, we'd have a better world. It's nonsense. If men could be noble warriors, we'd have a better world. And if women could be loving mothers and happy, fulfilled wives, we'd have a better world. And certainly women to be happy, fulfilled wives are dependent upon noble warriors. And noble warriors are actually dependent upon their mother's love. They're dependent upon a, a country that supports them and appreciates them, a society that acknowledges and values men's efforts and his, their toils and their challenges that we overcome. We just take it for granted. You know, it's like uh, men should bring out the trash. You know, if there's a storm, the man should get on the roof and clean it up. You know, if there's a dispute with the neighbors, you go down, talk to them. You know, it's like, uh, uh, and, and grantly so we go, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, <laughs> and that's because we're noble warriors. You know, we do what needs to be done, no matter how we feel. We don't just follow our feelings all the time. Usually if you just follow your feelings instead of what you think and what you think is right and what is noble, which is your character. And, that's why I like the whole theme of noble warrior. We don't Thank really you. talk about that so much today. The ability of masculinity, the dignity of honest work. Um, That's actually one thing I really appreciate about you, John, just throughout your, um, your books, your interviews, your teachings, I never actually got any of the, um, any kind of like sexist vibes at all. It's really about, as you said, highlighting our differences such that we have the capacity respect each other you know right. it's, it's it's articulating our differences for two reasons one is to articulate our differences in a positive way to give message to that instead of what was called sexist in the past is articulating our differences in a negative way and then holding people back due to those prejudging them or, or even a society that holds people back from being themselves according to their sex just like today according to their color you know we should be colorblind from that perspective, but we should still reward people based on their merit. And when it comes to men and women, you can't be colorblind in this sense. You've got to recognize a woman is different from a man and there's ways to provide the support she needs, which may not be always what you need as a man. So I was about to give one piece of advice to every man listening is when your wife is talking, ask questions and don't talk much. And if you're angry, stop talking and go somewhere. Do not talk when you're angry because one of the things of masculinity, the noble warrior comes forth. The potential is there. When we're, when biologically we're making testosterone, anytime you're confident and confidence allows you to move through resistance, right? You, oh, I can do this. I'll do it. Uh, and if I have resistance, I know I got to do it. I'll do it. So that's the confidence allows us to move forward, to be our best self. Whenever you're confident, your testosterone goes up. When you lose confidence, your testosterone goes down and your estrogen goes up. 
Now, what do I testosterone estrogen? Well, biologically, you can go online, just look at what, what the normal range of testosterone is for men. And it's 10 times more than the normal range for women, 10 times more. That means normal means pretty much happy person, right? So men have 10 times more testosterone and everything to do with being a noble warrior raises testosterone. Now, when your testosterone goes up, you can handle your estrogen going up because they're like a seesaw. Okay. When testosterone goes up, that means like another example of testosterone is I can do it. And an example of estrogen is I need help. Okay. So a noble warrior says I can do it. And if I need help, I'll get it. But first I'll see if I can do it. So you got, it's not like you're denying that I need help is that you're going to say, if I can do it myself, just do it myself. That's testosterone. And then there's estrogen. Now, for a woman, it's just the opposite. It's a shocking for women. The healthy range for estrogen is 10 times more than a man. And estrogen, and this book, it's got a really good book to read called Beyond Mars and Venus. I list qualities that produce testosterone. And I list qualities of who we are as human beings that produce estrogen. Now, I have all those qualities. But if I'm stressed, it means I need to come back to my male side. And if you're a woman and you're not happy, <laughs> come back to your female side. Don't complain your partner's not making you happy. And for me as a man, don't complain my wife's not happy making me feel good. I need to make myself feel good, which is why you share with me this show is about achievement because it's a man's ability to achieve that raises testosterone. Then if that day you, you fail in making your wife happy, it's no big deal because you're already got plenty of testosterone. <laughs> so you're, you're okay. I'll just, have, I'll just do what I need to do for me. So we don't want to be so needy with women. We want to be independent. And when you're feeling good, then you can need the high state of ecstasy you experience with making love, having a woman's love, having a woman care for you. Sweet, sweet things. You know, it's not destiny. It's not design. Our bodies aren't designed for testosterone to go down. This is the normal average for men. It's not supposed to be that way. I'm 70 years old. My testosterone levels are 50% higher than a young man. That's it. It, it goes up as you go older, if you understand what Noble Warrior is all about, which is selflessness, practicality, study, effort, overcoming challenges. And as you do that, gradually also increasing your estrogen, which means you get good at things, then it's not so hard. Like right now, I'm working hard today. You know, I start in the Amazing. morning, nonstop. I do this. I love it. I write a book, yeah. stay there 15 hours. You know, I love it because I'm good at it. If you're good at something, you love doing it. And thank, thank, thank to God, if you can find something you're good at and you get paid for it, that would be great. So one thing, I mean, I want to get into this testosterone conversation um, because, you know, there's the over, uh, overall trend that even people in their twenties have lower testosterone than previous two decades. I think you oh, cited that. that. Tell, tell everybody how, how much lower it's 40% or 50% lower. Yeah. yeah. And then so 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 some tactics that you, we hear from in the men's circle is you you lift heavier weights, you use uh, transcrotal cream, you eat herbal supplements and and I wanted to know if you have other suggestions, tactical suggestions to well, help. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I put a lot of emphasis on what I teach, which is behavioral changes. Okay, that's the main thing. In my as in the mind, so in the body. But the truth is also so in the body, so in the mind, you know, in the 60s, you take LSD, <laughs> your mind is affected. Okay. You have a whole different experience of life. Uh, so 
And once you've done it, you never come down on one level. It's like, at least you wake up and know there's something more than this. So I recommend all these mind altering things a little bit. My personal thing, I'm not like doing it all the time. I never do it. I rarely do it. But particularly when I was in, back in the 60s, I did it. And that's what set me on my path. I realized there's more to this box they put me in. So having said that, I forgot the question you asked me. A ways to increase testosterone. Tactical. Yeah, okay. See, I talk about LSD, you forget everything. You're not in this world anymore. So ways to increase testosterone. I'll briefly say as in the body, so in the mind, because the, there are herbs that are known for thousands of years to help, but it takes the mind to make those herbs work. Okay, so let's say I... But, you know, let's say I have all the, the idea ingredients to feel good, my mind, but my body's totally inefficient in nutrients, then I won't feel good. And, but you get all the nutrients, but you just hate yourself or hate somebody else, resenting somebody else, you're bored, you're frustrated, you're not doing your purpose, you're too weak, you got addictions, all of that stuff. You got all those mental things going on. You can take the supplements and not going to do much. All right. So mm. taking testosterone is a real loser's game. Your balls will shrink. You lose your ability to make testosterone. Mm. So rather than take testosterone, you make testosterone. So now how to make testosterone. There are some herbs that kick estrogen out of your body. And by kicking estrogen out of your body, estrogen pushes testosterone down. So if you kick estrogen out, you're not using the herbs to make a hormone. You're using the herbs to kick estrogen out. Mm. Your body can more efficiently make testosterone. Uh, so you want to have, uh, we know zinc is very important. I take zinc every day. I've been doing it for forever. Uh, zinc is necessary to make testosterone. Herbs that make testosterone, the very best is Tonkat Ali, without question. I've tested it all. I've done all this stuff with people. I can't even take an herb. Otherwise, I have erection all day. Okay. So, I mean, this stuff is if your if your mind if your lifestyle and your thinking and your self esteem and your actions produce testosterone you can't even take these herbs but to kickstart your body if you haven't been making enough and part of why the younger generation part of it's a complex picture you know there's never one cause for anything keep that in mind but Tonkat Ali is uh, has other names there are about five thousand different libido products online. And every one of them has Tonkat Ali in it because that's your Kickstarter and it's the most expensive one. So get a good quality Tonkat Ali. I used to have a health food store. I had the best. I don't have it anymore. So, but you want to get something that's, that's a capsule with powder in it. I've seen that the, the actual pills don't do much at all. Capsule with powder, Tonkat Ali. All right. All so right. That, that's really good to take and just take double whatever they say on the bottle for a while. But that's only a little piece of the problem. Okay, that's a little bit of the solution. Also, you need zinc. What what's causing the problem? We're gonna look at causes because when you eliminate, you know, if I keep hitting my head with a hammer, I'm gonna have headaches, right? And you can give me an aspirin, but it's not gonna do it because I keep hitting my head. So let's look at the causes of knocking testosterone down. One simple one: if you're in a relationship and you express anger out loud, your testosterone goes down. Mm. If you complain out loud, your testosterone goes down. Anytime you complain out loud, you're creating a pathway in your brain to make estrogen. That's your go-to. Is that, see, a complaint is a negative way of getting help. So suck it up and don't complain. Do it yourself. And if you need to get help, ask for help, but not with a complaint. You know, you can say, why did you do that? You didn't do this. You should have done that. That's complaining. You know, it, <laughs> it, uh, you can say, hey, next time. It's not a big deal. Whenever you say it's not a big deal, you're making testosterone. Anytime mm. you're saying it's a big deal, really upset about this, you're making estrogen. 
And mm. every time you make estrogen, you're growing pathways. Because why do you make a big deal of something? This is what women do all the time, but they need to make estrogen. That's why they do it. So, but when mm. guys have learned to do that, or haven't learned what it means to be a man, suck it up and do the difficult. Okay. Don't complain. Don't whine. That uh, there's a place for it. You know, if you're processing what's going on inside, you do it privately, you do it with a therapist, you, you're feeling hurt, you're feeling sad, you're disappointed. Don't share that with the intimate partner in your life because she'll become your mother. Mm. Makes you a little boy. Now, a little boy from the ages of two to 13 has the estrogen levels of a little girl. We're supposed to be more in touch with our emotions as a little, as a little girl, as a little boy. And that's where all of our trauma lies in those years. At puberty, it goes up five to 10 times. Unfortunately, today it's not fully doing that. And we don't come out that the little boy, when he comes out of the womb, normally speaking, prior to this big change in the last uh, 10 years, 20 years, uh, normally a little baby boy has the testosterone levels of a grown man for two years. And that forms your male brain. But today we don't have that so much. Uh, this is if your mother's more on her male side and, you know, she's independent, that's your male side. Okay. Boys tend to come out without as much testosterone, generally speaking. So that's one thing. Your mother had drank from plastic bottles. Plastic bottles are what called hormone disruptors. Never drink from a plastic bottle or at least avoid it. You know, I always go for the glass bottle if possible. If you're in public, you have to get water. Tap water is terrible too, but at least it doesn't have plastic. Okay. So there's a plastic bottle heats up. You get these PCBs, I think they're called, and they're called in endocrine disruptors and they will inhibit your body from making testosterone. They bind with your estrogen receptor sites. Also, anytime you eat foods with, with GMOs, the GMOs were introduced prior to this all lowering of testosterone. It's one of the major causes. What a GMO does is it binds, it's a pesticide in our foods and it will bind with our receptor sites in our body. Now we all have re estrogen receptor sites. Females just have more, right? They make more, they need more to make babies. So, but when those GMOs come into our body, they're called xenoestrogens. You're not making the estrogen. It's like taking estrogen. Okay, so a man taking estrogen, what happens? He gets man boobs, okay? <laughs> and his testosterone will go down as a result. Ironically, if you take testosterone, which is too high, your testosterone shoots up, it converts into estrogen and you get man boobs. So you don't want to go too high with your testosterone. That's taking testosterone. And that's when you get really angry and you get aggressive. That's making testosterone, but it's making a huge amount of estrogen at the same time because you're not cool, calm, and collected. Uh, men should watch movies, uh, these wonderful uh, Kung Fu movies watching Asian men who have been trained to suck up their emotions and tolerate pain without reacting. Uh, so you see, you know, it, this was really the way it was. I mean, the kings, the noble guys, there's always the monkey people who want to steal and be violent, whatever. But if you look at the kings and the real royal people, the leaders of these people, these were noble warriors. They don't get upset about anything. They only do what is best for society. And yes, killing is a part of that because you have to protect but they won't do unnecessary killing. And they, uh, they don't get angry. They don't cry. They don't get upset. They do what has to be done. Now that's pure masculinity. 
Now that's not for your generation, your higher consciousness generation. The higher consciousness is able to be both detached and attached at the same time. Uh, that's feeling compassion for someone, but not pitying them. See, I don't, I don't feel sorry for anybody. I mean, this world is so stupid right now. Uh, I'm really angry. I do get angry. I'm not going to get angry direct at somebody, but I feel my anger. I'm not going to act on it. But even now when I talk about how I have compassion, uh, rather than anger, I do have anger that they're giving shots to children. Okay. This is, they don't need it. There's side effects. We know that this is not good. And there's a lot more going on that he gets all, what is it? Uh, not allowed to speak about. So we won't go there, but the reality is, it's, so it's, let me ask you this, John. Uh, so in, in terms of, because you updated your model, right? It's been, it's been a few, it's been a few years since you wrote the first book. How has the model been updated or not, but updated? Oh, let's talk about that book. I see that's what this book is. It's the updated version. You see, mm -hmm. and we'll come back to testosterone. Okay. It's a big subject. Let's, I know you wanted the update. The update is men have low male side. Women have low female side. So my job now is to have women know how can they help boost a man's testosterone? Men, just what we're talking about. How can men boost their testosterone? Restore masculinity. Mm. And what women can do is restore femininity and your role in helping to restore femininity. And that's called protecting the female from herself. And that's mm. what the noble warrior put in the warriors really protect her. The protector is the protector from herself. And how do you do that? As soon as you're angry, she becomes a warrior to protect herself. If you're angry, stop talking, take time to cool off and do something to raise your testosterone. We'll talk more about how to do that. Don't argue, don't fight, don't any of that stuff. That's a wimp. You're a pussy. I say this because I'm talking to men mostly. You know, you want dignity, you become quiet. And they say, what are you feeling? What are you feeling? I need to think about this. I don't think, well, I think this is not a time for me to, you know, say more. I need to cool off, you know, or I need some time to think about what you said and go back and think about it and come back to feeling good and loving again. Because once you get your testosterone up, that means I'm cool, calm and collected. Then this enlightened part of you, your estrogen side can rise up. So that's one way. It's one of the ways we hit ourselves with a hammer is we argue with women and we act out of aggression. We act out of anger. We cry. See, I'm, I'm in the camp of, you know, suck it up and don't whine. You think any military person, go, go line up, become a, a young 18 year old. You're going to go off the war and become a responsible warrior. They line you up and they abuse you and you have to suck it up and not react. You have to learn not to let your reactive mind control you. So powerful. And you I have think that's the really key point here because in my mind, it's the balancing of the yin and the yang. And then if it's, it's not to just, Hey, let me not to express myself It's actually being able to find the inner harmony in the middle. And it's also make it situational appropriate. So yes, absolutely. And anytime you're angry at your spouse, your partner, your family member, somebody you love, you're trying to use anger to change them when you should use love to change them. Okay. And so you have, and what is love for a woman? If you're talking about women listening, three skills for guys to walk away with, help me understand that better. Tell me what else, or just tell me more, tell me more. And what else? Learn how to listen and not react and not react. And they, they're your big test. They can say, well, what do you feel? What's going on inside of you? Well, I'm trying to understand you. I think, I think you have a right to feel what you're feeling or it's very interesting to me what you're saying. And I want to hear more, you know, just 
don't let them pull you out. Then you get in the friend zone. Then your estrogen goes up. Then you can't get an erection after three times. You know, it just, this is what's happening. We have infinite 21 years. It didn't exist on the planet to be an infinite 21 years. And they're not infinite with porn. So the next thing, the way you're hitting yourself in the head with a hammer, anytime you masturbate to porn, you are going down, down, down. That's the number one estrogen stimulator in males. So let's look at some research. I'm not just a moralist. I masturbated as a kid, whatever, not like kids today. You know, Playboy, when I was growing up, was a girl in, in her underwear. <laughs> you know, didn't he have lace? You'd look like a bathing suit today. It didn't even look that sexy. That was such a turn on, so exciting, you know, and you'd masturbate and hide it and shame all that stuff. You know why masturbation has shame associated with it? Because too much is soul killing. It weakens you. All weak men masturbate. Okay. That's weakness. That's over-emotionality. Uh, when you ejaculate, what causes ejaculation is your estrogen levels are, you're enjoying it. Anytime you enjoy something, oh, I love this. This feels so good. Oh my God. I wrote a book on, on uh, ADD and porn, how porn creates ADD in the male brain. Mm. So I, watched, I had to watch porn, just watching it. I, I never masturbate. I'm in a monogamous relationship. I have sex several times a week. I feel great. I'm not looking at anybody. <laughs> I have fantastic sex. Are you kidding? So, but watching that porn, I had to masturbate. It just came on me, you know, just like it takes you. It's cocaine. It's cocaine. You can't look at it. You can't even see it. Okay. So what, what happens there is now let me give you some research, not a moral thing, but the reason it always was immoral to masturbate was because it sucks the life out of you. And it's natural to do occasionally when your body says, I really need to do this. But if you've watched porn in your life, you didn't need to do it. Your body's addicted to porn and now you have an addiction and now you think, oh, my body needs to masturbate. No, it doesn't. You know, maybe once a week, if you're a, a, you know, a younger person, uh, as you get older, like I'm 70, if I ever needed to masturbate because I didn't have sex, it would be, actually, I would never need to. I'm, I, what I've learned, and you, it takes a long time to learn this, but I've learned how to have orgasms without ejaculating. Okay, so <laughs> I never ejaculate. I plan on living at least 132 years. I'm youthing because I have so much sex without ejaculating. You Can never you say more about that actually, because that's a really, um, you know, I'm Chinese, so I know about the Taoist practice. Yes. So for, for the people who is a little bit skeptical about, about this, since you're a lot more articulate and knowledge about this, can you say a little bit more about that practice? Yeah. Okay. So let me give you the scientific research now. The Taoists all knew that if you wanted to be healthy and live a long life and be a noble warrior, don't, don't masturbate. And even when you have sex, don't ejaculate. Or if you ejaculate, only have it occasionally. Okay, so there's a, there's a place for occasional ejaculation. Ejaculation is highly addictive. You know, men say, oh, we just need to have sex all the time. You don't, you don't. Uh, but if you have sex with a stranger, uh, then your body will say, I need to have sex tomorrow. Why? Because your job as a man is to make babies, evolution-wise. There's an animal inside of us. So if you have sex with, with a, a woman and she doesn't love you, meaning you didn't, you didn't love her, she doesn't love you, then your body produces the chemical that makes you want to have sex the next day. If you have a woman and actually have a connection and there's love and you have love for her, your body doesn't make, makes it another chemical or makes this particular chemical called prolactin that frees you to a certain extent from your addiction to masturbation, to lusting after other women, to cheating, or to needing somebody else because you lost interest here and that one looks better. Whenever you're, 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 
energy is low, the grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence. That's just the way it is. You know, you go, oh, you got this, but wait, that's a little better. That's a little better. That's your weakness. You don't have your rod of power. This is stamina. And that's mm. what you have. So the research shows 25-year-old guy. These are all athletes in Japan. And they have sex on Saturday night and ejaculate. So this is about ejaculation. So they ejaculate. Next day, their testosterone is at their baseline. They have a general baseline on Sunday morning, which is why men are more passive on Sunday and they don't have the energy and the spark. It's time relaxation. Your estrogen went up from having sex. Okay. And your testosterone goes back down to its baseline. And then over the week, it will, if you don't ejaculate, that's if you don't masturbate or have sex again over the week, it will slowly start to go up about 10%. Then on Saturday, the seventh day, you went for six days without ejaculating, it goes up 50%. It goes up 50%. Now, because I never ejaculate, mine's basically 50% higher all the time, which means <laughs> every day I wake up with an erection, I don't have to ejaculate. If I have a partner, my partner is in town, then I have sex with her. If I don't, I just have an erection. <laughs> and I go take a shower and there's no big deal. I don't have to ejaculate. I'm not addicted to that. This is like men are addicted to the animal. You see, we have this instinctive brain that rules sex. All right. It's the unconscious brain. It's easy to be addicted. All it takes is, is watching porn and you're addicted to sex. Okay. Your brain just goes, wow, that's cocaine. I, I can never be satisfied with just uh, having a ham sandwich. <laughs> you got to have the whole thing. You know, it's just the, 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 the simplicity of life is very fulfilling until you have high stimulation. Then your brain starts demanding more. I need high stimulation. A regular woman, uh, if you do a lot of masturbation, isn't enough of stimulation to increase your testosterone because danger increases testosterone. Fantasy increases testosterone. Novel, new and different creates testosterone. So it makes dopamine and then the dopamine in the man creates the testosterone. So that's why you, you, once you get comfortable with a woman, you can't get an erection unless you have strong testosterone, unless you have enough zinc in your body to make it. And every time you ejaculate, you lose some zinc. So, so part of that is physiological as well. Who knows all the reasons, all I, all I know is now we got the, the whole Asian culture and Indian culture that for masculinity to thrive, be healthy, vibrant, energetic, strong, you and spiritual. Okay. There's, this is all very spiritual. I'm a highly spiritual person. I spent six hours today. Well, I didn't sleep last night, only two hours because I don't know, I needed to be in meditation. You know, I meditate 12 hours, six hours, three hours, depending on my work schedule and whatever. Uh, this is my discipline. And, and so it, I can't do that. If I ejaculate, I would, I become, I'd like meditate 20 minutes and okay, I'm done. I can't do this any longer. You know, mm. that's a weak, weak person. Uh, but practicing meditation and, and discipline longer and longer and longer. It applies to everything in your life. You know, there's about 30 books behind me that I've written <laughs> and each one, you know, I don't like writing a book, uh, although I'm in ecstasy while I do it, but I miss my wife. I miss my children. I don't have a life. You know, you sit there. So I do it as fast as I can. So I, I write like 12, 15 hours a day. I do that because I've got semen. It gives you the juice to do that. If I ejaculate, I can't do that. It's power. Mm. So what they found is you need to ejaculate once a week, uh, at least the way their studies showed it. This is just studies showing this. If you went six days by ejaculating, on the seventh day, your testosterone goes up 50%. If you don't have sex, then it just goes back down and it will stay down at your baseline. Now, their study is not a long-term study, but 
my conclusion is knowing all my friends who ejaculate and have lots of sex and now no, don't have any sex <laughs> is that if you look at the national average of men at, at 35, it goes down 1% every, every uh, year. And now it's at all ages, every year, testosterone averages for the country are going down, 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 down. The average 50 year old right now is half his testosterone levels. This is what, and this means lack of vitality, lack of energy, lack of calm, lack of peace of mind. So that's one level. That's the sexual management, which is highly, highly important to this mechanism that's controlled by the unconscious brain. So ultimately, any addiction you have will lower your testosterone. So that's the sex addiction. Okay. So not going to the the intimacy, uh, wanting to make love with somebody who loves you and you love love them and your love grows through monogamy. Then your testosterone continues to rise. Now that's a as long as you don't have too much sex. Now you can be in a monogamous relationship, but you have more than once a week. Now occasionally, you know, you have your your flings. You know, you're on a vacation somewhere and the kids aren't around, so you have time to have lots of sex. Okay, that's good. But just know how much that, sex is too much sex again? Because didn't you say that you have multiple sex? Uh, oh, for me, almost twice a day. Uh, right, right, right. So, so, so it's, it's relative, right? So, how how much no, no, sex? No, I don't ejaculate. Sex? I don't ejaculate. Okay, so when you say sex, you mean ejaculation? It's always meaning ejaculation. Ejaculation. Gotcha. Okay, just wanted to clarify. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You clarify. Lock loss of your life force. You're losing a piece of your soul every time you ejaculate, and you can regain it back, hopefully, by giving up your addiction. Any addiction, you're losing your soul. It's just that is the deepest, most uh, shameful. Why do you feel shame afterwards? Everybody says, oh, that's because our culture says you're a bad person if you do that. And you're not a bad person. You're just an addictive person, okay? Or you're just doing it moderately. There's no problem, okay? Once a week, according to the research, will actually keep your testosterone stable. So that's good, not more. So, you know, everything good, too much of it is bad, all right? So too much of anything. Like I uh, realized I was getting a little of cramps, and my fingers da, 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 like that and boom so what do i do go take magnesium cramps go away mm. then i thought oh i'll just take a lot of magnesium get diarrhea okay anything good if too much of it is not a good thing that's what we have to realize too much sex is not a good thing but if you learn to have love and making love that's something that you can do as much as you can as long as you're not ejaculating you learn how to be multi-orgasmic so this is Asian culture, understand it, Hindu culture. I've spent 10 years in Asia, studied out all kinds of stuff. I did karate, you know, I really have a whole Asian background. Uh, I have a Hindu background, gone to India 23 times. I was a Hindu monk for nine years, you know, celibate. And that's why I had such high conscious experiences is you, you couldn't sit there and meditate for 20 hours or actually 18 was the most I ever did, but six hours, 10 hours, whatever, just effortlessly enjoying expanding you it's like you become an ocean of 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 sometimes ocean of calm an ocean of, of ecstasy are you listening to music after you're in that ocean it's just like waves of ecstasy like you're rocking out at a rave thing you know and high on drugs you don't need the drugs that's why i got into meditation as the beatles said you could get high i was at woodstock you go high on drugs then you come down you crash it's awful but boy music and and high consciousness is ecstasy, just like music, high consciousness and sex out of this world. I'm a, I like that stuff. So, but the, the Beatles said you could learn 
meditation and you can get high without drugs. So I learned to get high without drugs. I became the personal assistant of Maharishi Mesh Yogi of the Transcendental Meditation Movement. If anybody listening, if you've like uh, read books on meditation and you just go, oh, it's too hard or I didn't get a lot out of it or just seemed boring, take a class in Transcendental Meditation. You need to have instruction. You need to understand it. You need to be in a group. You will have experiences and you will understand your experiences and you dedicate yourself to a little bit of your day every day. You can become a Superman. Just like if you dedicate yourself to what I'm saying about sex, you're going to become a Superman, a noble warrior as well. And you also forget about all this baloney about uh, fooling around with, you know, one of my friends here, they, they don't get erections anymore. They're polyamorous, you know, they, why do they become polyamorous? Because they can't get high with the same person. So now they're dependent on somebody else, dependent on, they're too weak, they're too needy for somebody else instead of the achievement. When you are accomplishing your male energy, I'm achieving something meaningful and purposeful that's good for me and good for the world. And ironically, we want to talk a little about legacy. You wanted to, and legacy is lasting. Last, how do you last? Well, same thing in sex. How do you last? You never turn off to sex. You never turn off to your love. And something men need to know about being a man is our challenge as men is to be masculine and then learn to love. You see, you don't mm. want to be all soft and lovey. You want to be strong and learn to love. That's our journey is to get, to have so much testosterone that we can let the estrogen start to rise without it pushing down the testosterone. Now, some of us have an advantage. I had an advantage. Okay, I get it. I'm a privileged person. The privilege that I had is that my parents were highly spiritual and understood this stuff. I did yoga at three years old in Houston, wow. Texas, you know. My mother had the esoteric bookstore, the biggest esoteric bookstore in the world. And she never advertised. Just she had such a big esoteric library that she wanted to share her books. And then finally everybody wanted to buy them. She said, okay, I'll open up another store for you. Didn't care about the money because she didn't need the money. She had a husband who had a job who could provide for her so she could follow her heart and do what she loved to do, which wouldn't it be great if we had a world where men could actually feel needed and we could support women. And they depended on us for that. But right now, we can't make enough money, generally speaking. I can, but the general can't. The world, the culture we've created is dependent upon two, a man and a woman, in order to support the family. So women don't have the choice. You know, wouldn't it be great if we had choice? Well, we, women got the choice. And now men can't make enough money to support their families, generally speaking. And the ones who can are awful husbands, generally, because they're working all the time. Mm. We're in a dilemma here. And there's no easy way out. But the way we start is by men becoming noble warriors, learning how to do your best, to do what is good, to do what is purposeful, to do what is meaningful, and then to take that confidence and apply it to the big test that makes you a real man. Is that is that's when you grow up is when you're responsible for someone you cherish and love. And then mm. you have children and you're responsible for them. That's your legacy on a very biological level. That's legacy, which is. I'm responsible for you and I'm responsible to support you and your life. And when you feel that much needed for people to depend on you, I remember one day, a few years into my marriage, my wife said, John, you know, I depend on you. <laughs> I got of that day. I kind of like grew up, you know, Oh, oh okay. I'm a grown up. <laughs> I have to do this. And if, if we don't, she could be really unhappy. You know, she's depending on me. I have a baby, got to raise a family. 
doesn't have a job. She wants to raise the family. And I wanted to be able to raise the family and have the freedom to have a part-time job, which she did. Because in today's society, even it's very hard for women to just be with their child. If a woman wanted to stay home with her child, it drives her crazy because you're staying home all the time with your child and everybody's far away. If, you know, when I'm in Bali or if I'm in uh, India or if I'm in the Amazon, you'll see all the women every day. They're going down to the river. They're washing their clothes in the river. They're all talking. They're all sharing. They're babysitting. Their children are all playing and the men are all doing their jobs. And then when they come together, they enjoy sex. And then after a while, they don't because they don't have these relationship skills as well. It, you know, we all know there was something called the romance period. And that went away. That's the honeymoon period. Everybody knew that. You don't expect romance to last, but we expect romance to last. And we can if we understand how to do that. But nobody knows well, how to do it. One, one thing I want to ask you, John, and this is something that I never heard anyone ask, but I, I but I am very, very curious about this, right? Because you said nine years you were a monk. Yeah. Right. You 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 were celibate, you were a monk, and then you became a obviously the the relationship guru, right? The, the, the master teacher teaching people to um, express themselves, uh, self-actualize through the path of relationship. Yes. So I'm curious because you, you have both world, like have both you know, worlds. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you, what would you say to the younger John who is, you know, who was celibate and, and then pursuing the path of you know, celibacy and then, you know, expressing uh, self-actualization that way versus the path of the, the relationship. I'm curious. I'd say to him, he's on the right track. If you had talked to me as a teenager, I'd say, stop masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'd give him the talk I just gave. Okay. I said, you, you know, and I would teach him right away. I'd teach him when he exercises in order to overcome the need to ejaculate when you're having sex. There's Taoist exercises that I've learned as well. Uh, you move your body in certain ways. Uh, I'll, you know, if you go online, there's a lot of good, good people teaching it. Mostly they talk about Kegel. You've read about Kegel, right? That's pulling back, but actually from my experience. Okay. And now there's, you know, there's always different ways to climb the mountain. Kegel never worked for me, but Kegel worked for me is the reverse Kegel. Okay. Kegel, uh, Kegel allows you to become aware of the muscle it takes to have an orgasm without ejaculation. Now, mm -hmm. as opposed to an ejaculation that's contained back in your body, there's a big difference. Okay. We actually didn't ejaculate what a lot of people, they push the button and it inhibits the release of the ejaculation. So it stays in your body. Okay. You can't keep going on for hours. If you want, uh, you're done pretty much after another orgasm. So there's a physical response. Okay. That's a physical spasm. And then what goes along with that is the orgasm. The orgasm is the ecstatic feeling of love. And what you do is you have to basically learn this movement. It's a whole body flex, whole body flex. And, you know, it's, you can stand like this, move your body back and forth with your arms out like the Dallas exercise. There's a lot of them and I've done them all and I don't need to do them now. <laughs> I just have sex because that's all sex is. And so every time I get close, it's called the point of no return. You have to become very clear where the point of no return is. And before you get to the point of no return, you just shake your body as if you're having a whole body orgasm as if you start as if you look at what does your body do pelvically when you have an orgasm it's a bunch of thrusts now you've got this whole movement that with every thrust in out in out the top part of your body goes the other direction so it's a really shaking like this mm. okay it's so you just have the whole body do it and 
what happened is you just, you release that buildup of energy and you start again and you release that. But each time you have to start again, that point you got to is a little orgasm and then a little one, bigger one and a bigger one and a bigger one and a bigger one. What you're doing in that shaking is giving your body a chance through the sexual intercourse and the intercourse you're surging with a lot of energy, a lot of pleasure. Okay. That, and that's estrogen levels rising in your body. And it starts to, it starts to rise too high and push your testosterone down. That's what an ejaculation is. See ejaculation is saying it's like a, a fuse just blew. We can't handle any more estrogen. Otherwise our testosterone is going down. See testosterone always, you have to be in control. That's what masculinity is. You are in control of yourself. Control is very, very important for masculinity as opposed to I'm trying to control others. No, I'm in control of myself. Uh, if I'm throwing a basketball, I'm in control of the ball, right? I'm in control of my actions. I say I'm going to do something and I do it. That's also another way we lose testosterone. I say I'm going to do something and then I don't do it. So part of my monk experience was discipline, discipline, you know, for why, and also overcoming challenge, but there's not that much challenge. So I used to sleep on the floor, practice, you know, do these long, these exercises, hold them a long time to where I felt that's kind of like exercise. That's a good challenge. Then, but I would fast. Fasting is another huge testosterone builder, mm. which is basically not eating anything. Go and, and even still, I would only, back then I did a ketogenic diet. I just had one cup of food a day. That was my discipline. Mm. And I won't say I was so perfect though, because sometimes that was one cup of marzipan. <laughs> that's sugar and almonds. Uh, it's still my only treat I have is honey and almonds. I, I, I really enjoyed that the most. And occasionally I break all my rules, okay? Uh, and like last year, I had two ejaculations. Already this year, I had one, which was terrible. But yeah, you bounce back. It means that it's like uh, I have a superpower, which is energy and feeling good and motivated. And if I ejaculate, it's like I become this kind of like mere mortal. <laughs> I shriek down, where's my, where's my power? You know, where did it go? I'm just, it's just, but just to think for me, nine years of that and all that, I just came into this world. There was so much cosmic energy around me, but then I wouldn't recommend that to anybody unless your soul said you have to do it. Okay. I had to do it. It was what my journey was because when you suddenly have so much enlightenment, uh, and Marshi told me, you know, I was fully enlightened. He gave me the Mahabakya, said that you've achieved the cosmic consciousness, the God consciousness, and the Brahman consciousness, unity consciousness, and the Brahman consciousness. So he didn't, he never, I never told anybody else that. He told me I was going to be his successor to the whole thing. He was training me, grooming me. And then I left. And the irony is he used to, I used to be like a spokesman for him and say what Marshi would say, Marshi would say. And I'd bring questions to him and then bring the answers back. And the point I'm making is people would ask questions about the relationship. And he'd always say, you know, I'm a, I'm a monk. Uh, having a relationship issues are not my expertise. It was so funny is that I left him and that became my expertise. You know, it was like the student standing on the shoulders of the teacher, you know, and why I teach relationship is that once you bring all that, get to your true self, authenticity up there, you find yourself. That's not self-actualization. That's just finding who you are. Mm. Then then that has to integrate into your body. You know, it brings up all your stuff. In spiritual terms, it's called the dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. And common experience for people who don't spend a lot of time meditating and spirituality, it means you have a really great time as suddenly 
you argue and fight or you're depressed. You go really high, you'll come back down. It's you, you touch the sun and you crash back down. You get burned. Anytime you go high, you'll come back down. And that's called integration. And there's nothing more powerful to integrate that light, which is all love, is in a relationship, an intimate relationship. Your partner, Bonnie, my sweetheart, will push every button you have that's unlike the light that you were trying to bring in. Because see, we are darkness down here. We're animals, primitive. We have all this, uh, what is it? The subconscious, unconscious mind, we call it in psychology. But it, it's like somebody's angry with us. We get angry back. You know, monkeys right. do. We just react, react, react. All this, this brain is a reactive brain. We have to reprogram it. And the only way we program it is have self-reflection. Self-reflection, to look inwards at myself, see myself as others see me. See myself and say, was that good? Was that not? Let me self-correct. And then what makes the difference is now I'm going to take action to self-correct. And that's what that life did for me as a monk is lots and lots of discipline, you know, going 30 days without talking, you know, uh, seven days just staying in my room. I'd still do that. I was just, I just finished this year starting out with, uh, where it's is a Taoist thing as well, a bigu, where you put a mask on and wrap something around. So no light in, comes to my eyes for seven days. And all I had was one cup of coffee in the morning and a glass of water. That was it. Uh, I have to have coffee. Otherwise, I have bad headaches because I drink coffee every day. You can't just stop it real quick. I, I just want to. And my girlfriend was out of town for a week. So I said, oh, I'll just uh, <laughs> do this. And I never had this experience, which is actually you can see after a while the light around. I could walk around my house with, without bumping into anything because I'd see a, a light, a vibration of light around everything with my eyes closed. It's mm. amazing. You know, I hear stories of blind people who can see things and whatever, and I totally get it now. But you've, mm. got to, you've got to not depend on your eyes to look out. You've got to depend on what's inside. Because all that's really happening when you see something is, oh, that is helping me know what I know. Everything is already there inside of us. It's all there. And when I see that, that awakens my knowledge inside. And I think it's out there that's doing but really it's in here. For example, if somebody's loving you, it feels really good because that they gave you permission to love yourself. Mm. So much of our, There's so much of us to learn on the, on the journey, but we need the potency to do it for testosterone. And that's sort of the theme of this book. You asked me about that relationship skills that will allow you to grow in testosterone, for example. And if you're doing anything to help a woman become more feminine, when you do anything that helps a woman experience more estrogen, you're becoming more masculine. That's the mm. most amazing thing. So you, you don't want to be a girlfriend. You're on a date. You ask lots of questions. You show a lot of interest. You don't talk about your feelings at all. You, you can talk. You need to talk a little bit. Otherwise, she needs a little reassurance that you're listening to her. So you make comments. Well, I think this and I think that. Practice not arguing, not being angry at someone, not being opinionated. You know, be flexible. Women all say, oh, they want a really funny guy. Oh, men with a sense of humor. Actually, they hate it. Women don't know what they want. What they want is a man who, who's light, who walks through life on a, like a feather. Okay, mm. I can handle that. That's okay. He chuckles. He laughs. But he's not making jokes. You know, you don't have to make funny, clever jokes. You know, Robin Williams is my age. So funny. He lives in my town. I know him. He was Mick and he did a spaceship guy. I later yeah. on did a from Mars. It's very interesting. Our similar karma around this thing. But I met him. You can't have a friendship with him. You can't have a really, he's making jokes all the time. Just making mm. a joke, making a joke, making a joke. That is not intimacy. But taking mm. things lightly is humor. 
you know, just being playful in life, being humorous and being serious when you need to, being empathetic. You know, these are the things. It's really about learning to be completely selfless. And that's what enlightenment really is. Then, then you bring in your female side, which is you get all the goods, all the do things that are fun and enjoyable. And you don't have to do this extreme like I did. Uh, you, you can balance it back and forth. Then so you- then I'll ask you a, a very quick question about, about um, being in relationship, because you said you've been with Bonnie and brought up the, the humanity, the worst, you know, you guys are angry with each other and so on and so forth. Right. And, and that's a common and see other people. So you see that as an opportunity for growth. Everything right. is an opportunity for growth. Nothing happens to you that isn't God's gift to help you see yourself, to help you see what's evil inside of you. Sounds religious, but helps you see what's dysfunctional inside of you. Anytime you justify being angry, hurtful, stealing, any of that, anybody you justify, well, they took from me, so I'm going to take from them. That's justification of evil. That's evil. When you're negative towards somebody, you say, well, I'm only negative because I love you. And that's true. You know, if somebody, you're not, you don't care about them, you don't get negative. Who cares? I don't even think about you. So your partner will try to change you, use negative emotion. They argue with you and they think they're being loving because they love you. But those actions are not loving. And in that moment, when they're doing that, they're not loving. But they do that because they are loving you before that. They care about you. They love you. But now they've become this unloving person. We all need to recognize how we've become unloving and then have the skills and the tools, which we haven't talked about much today, in order to transform this crazy part of us, this unloving, this dark part of us, which a lot of people call that the shadow side of us. It has to come forth. And after all this enlightenment for me, I must have spent a good nine years. I did nine years to get up there, a good nine years to bring that down and integrate it in to where nothing bothered me much, no big deal. I could process everything. Then I wrote a best-selling book to change the world and had legacy. You know, then what I was able to produce had lasting value, lasting value. And that's what we want. We want our sex to have lasting value. You know, ultimately, if I had sex and ejaculated, I need time to uh, pull back for a little while. I'm not going to feel this amazingly loving guy, attentive guy, energetic guy, you know, uh, playful guy. A uh, hardworking guy, all those good qualities of any guy, we all have it in us. It usually shows up when that testosterone, when we're anticipating sex. <laughs> That's your best self is when you're anticipating sex. Why? Mm. Because when you're turned on to sex, what's happening is you feel more than in any other time. Because see, what we have to do is life, there's challenges in front of us. We're always sort of resisting this. You're always having to resist, 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 whatever can go on. You know, life is things coming to you that you have to push away. Okay. Now that resistance for man frees us to find our detachment. Okay. That's what the Buddha taught, you know, forget all your problems. You know, it's like, don't worry about it. If you're upset, stop worrying, do something to make you feel good, which means your testosterone is going up. It's good for you, not bad for you. Because masturbation doesn't temporarily increase your testosterone. I mean, it's surging. It feels really good. <clears throat> but afterwards, it feels like shit. And your energy level just goes down. And it's not because the culture shames you for that. No. It's because you just gave a piece of your soul. Your energy level just dropped. Just like if I ate too much of a food that's not good for me, I feel awful the next day. I wish I hadn't done that. So this is what addictions do. You know, I remember giving up smoking when I was a young guy before I became a monk. <laughs> Just I'd buy a pack of cigarettes. It's so addictive. 
I'd smoke a cigarette. Middle, I'm not going to do this. And throw the whole thing away. Two days later, I bought another pack of cigarettes. <laughs> throw it away. I still doubt a little bit with graham crackers. Uh, this is what, as a child, it was the only sugar thing we had in the house. And sometimes if my blood sugar drops, then instead of doing something, eat something healthy, I can get immediate gratification with a graham cracker. So to this day, I'll just like watching TV, too much passive TV watching also lowers testosterone. Mm. Okay. So see when you, when you're watching a little TV, like the news or a sporting event or whatever, you're identifying with the action and with news, you're basically forgetting your problems, which is a way to build testosterone. Don't do all your problems all the time. Another one is to see other people's problems. And so you're watching a sporting team. Oh, don't do that. Oh, you're going to do that. A lot of emotional release happens watching sports. But then at a certain point, it's too much of a good thing and you get addicted to it. See, any good thing can be addicted. Now, set, mon- pornography is massively addiction. Sports isn't playing video games, maybe 20 minutes, an hour at the most. Okay. Now you're just losing your life force energy. You need to be doing something productive. Would you come back to Nobel Warment is achievement. Now, I'm not totally against video games. I don't do them, but, you know, maybe that's your how you make money in life. But what typically happens, if you look at the video champions who make money playing video games, they're fat. They're what? They're fat. Mm-hmm. They've got a big fat belly. And you know what the big fat belly is? Is that their mind is doing things, but their body isn't. That's why if I watch too much TV, more than a couple of hours, by watching news and maybe one show or something, then I start going to the closet to look for graham crackers even though they're not there i'll still get up and go maybe they're there that means you're no longer in your conscious mind you become too passive so reading a book doesn't do that by the way if you read you're engaged in creating uh, you're creating something in your mind but passivity where i'm depending on someone else to create the picture and the enjoyment and the music and all that what's happening i'm becoming too passive and that's estrogen producing so there has to be some kind of involvement, sort of effort, some sort of focus that you're following through with. Now, you, you said at some point you won't start writing until you find the right book title. And then and then obviously you're someone with super deep well of wisdom and things are just pouring out of you. I'm curious to know, how do you cultivate your own creativity? Do you have like morning pages practices and things like that too? Okay, I think, I think uh, everybody, there's, temperament types. Okay. And not everybody has the same temperament, but for me and my temperament type, I am a, uh, a reactive type. If, if, uh, somebody needs my help, I'm right there. Otherwise I'm a little passive. Something there has to be a little bit of an emergency to pull me forth. Every one of my books, I was offered a sizable, uh, advance. <laughs> if somebody says, well, pay you to be John. Help. Yeah, somebody will pay you two million dollars to write this book. I said, okay, I'll write this book. And so they, all the juice is there. You see, they, I, you know, I'm anticipating a big reward, which means in our mind, at least in my mind, most men's minds, a big reward means you made a difference. It means they really want you and you're really wanted. It, it's, a, you know, part of my own libido at 70 years old is because my partner really wants me. <laughs> and that's because I'm really good at sex. And she has lots of estrogen because I've made it so that she doesn't have to work. She gets to do what she likes to do. She enjoys working, but she doesn't have to do it for the money. So there's no desperateness to it. So she can actually be more feminine. And when she's more feminine and I know how to give her orgasms, then suddenly her body says every day, I want to have sex. I want to have sex. So that also keeps my testosterone quite high. (laughs) 
having a wife, not a wife, we're not married, but we're having a partner who wants to have sex with me. It's the ultimate. And all these poor men, they come to me and they all go, oh, you know, my wife doesn't want sex. You know, I have to convince her to want sex and everything. What a bummer that you have to do that. But the reason you have to do it is because outside the bedroom, you're not doing the stuff you have to do to get her estrogen flowing because women cannot desire sex. Now there's an exception here. There's women who can't have orgasms who desire sex. They just want the attention, whatever. But there's the actual her body wet and wanting to ha have sex, like ready, ready to go sex. <laughs> Amazing. When, when you know how to provide an orgasm for a woman and many orgasms without ejaculating, then there's no recovery period. You're still having sex all the time. You see, once the man pulls away, a woman's estrogen will go down. But if your testosterone stays up there, which doesn't drop if you don't ejaculate, just stays 50% higher. It's all the time, 50% higher. <laughs> and it doesn't mean you're wanting to have sex all that time. That's, you know, body needs sex, but doesn't need it all the time, you know, but it's, it's got the power to do it. And so she doesn't experience that pulling away. So what happens in psychology, we call that a conditioned response. If I put my finger towards fire and it burns, my unconscious mind will, will pull me away from fire even before I know. It learned fire burns. All right. So a woman's whole thing about estrogen is to open up and receive, to connect, allow you to come into me, you know, do me. That's she's surrendering, yielding. And you're there for her, providing for her and enjoying every minute of it because you have estrogen going up too. So as you're providing for her, now you get your big thrill and then you pull away. They notice it. You pulled away. Her body notices and her estrogen goes down as opposed to continuing to feel good. So if every time you go into a shop and you end up going feeling bad, you're not going to go into that shop anymore. Your body just doesn't want to go there. So over time, you have conditioned her to not want to go that high. Mm. Now, and that's inevitable if you ejaculate, but that's a little conditioning. It's just over and over and over, finally conditions her to not even go there because you just disappear. So the next thing is, and, and you're going to pull away after sex. Her estrogen is going to come down. But you can then what's called reconditioning. So there's a conditioned response and then a counter conditioning. So if you go for six days without ejaculating, your testosterone rises back up. And that's the counter conditioning that says, oh, he is really there for me. And she'll rise to that. She needs the reassurance that you're going to be 50% higher. And when you're not, when you're just the baseline and it's slowly going down, her estrogens is going to slowly go down as well. And then what you have women today, while men have low testosterone, women have this, all this menopausal stuff, this dryness in their vagina. I know a woman who's 78 years old and she is, her husband, also a student of mine. Uh, she's wet every day. Okay. It's like women go, what happened? And now women also have to know that there's exercises like we have to do as men exercise those muscles. Uh, women have to exercise that vagina. You know, there's these things you buy online just called women's kegels. And you, you pull a ball up and down with a weight on it. You strengthen that area. You increase circulation. Otherwise, you're not only do your skin become dry and it becomes painful, but your estrogen levels go down. That's the biggest estrogen stimulator is to have a guy's penis in there making you happy. That just keeps it up. So it, amazing what sex can do. And the Taoists in ancient China, they all understood this. But the technique's a little different today. I was mentioning to you the reverse Kegel. You can go online, look under reverse Kegel. They even have apps timing your Kegel and then your reverse Kegel. Mm. The, the Kegel is to pull back. 
And the reverse Kegel is you experience this pushing down, the same feeling, the same muscles if you were to push your urine out. Okay, now all I have to do, I'll, when I pee, I always have an orgasm, okay? Because <laughs> when I push down, it pushes the energy up. I don't need to take, you know, Montauk Chia has written a great book on the value of, of uh, not ejaculating. I don't use his technique at all. It doesn't work for me. It's, it's for, he uses Kegel. I use reverse Kegel. Reverse Kegel is just simply you get close to that point. You push down. And what it does is it pushes down. And whatever energy is down there gets pushed up if you feel love. Now, mine won't work. I couldn't do it with a woman I don't love. You know, see, it's, and, and I don't love anybody who's not loving me. So it has to be love. And what allows men to feel love, the most powerful thing that helps a man to feel love is a woman's love. Okay, so to the extent when I said I was privileged and why I have all this extra benefit and why I'm a leader and all this is I started out with a lot of help. And that's that my mother always loved me. I never was criticized by my mother. My father never punished me. I was the experiment of seven children. The four brothers older than me were all punished. One went to military school. One almost got in jail. They had problems. So they said, by, I'm number five. They said, why don't we try something different? We'll just never punish him. Mm. And, and, you know, the way my mother said is, you know, people in my class, when she told them that, she, she said, well, what did you do? She said, we put him in the hands of God. And that's because they're also spiritual people, understood. And see, part of why parents punish is they don't know another way. I've written a whole book on how to manage children and discipline children without punishment. You know, I think children need to have control. They need to be controlled. You don't just give them whatever they want, but there's a whole art to that. That's another conversation. And I wouldn't say my parents understood that, but at least I didn't have this negativity thrown on me all the time of feeling like I had to be better to please my parents, even though to some extent I did because I got so much love. I wanted to be worthy. Of it. And, but you know, my brothers were torment. They were jealous because I never got punished and they figured that out. I mean, I used to have to go to my dad's room to get spanked. And he would say, okay, I want you to make a noise. I'm going to whip the chair. <laughs> my brother's father figured this out. So they punished me. That was very interesting. So they buried me alive once. They threw me off the roof. Wow. Damn. Cars over my head from being thrown upside down. I got wow. thrown in the pit. You know, they really took their thing with me. You know, I won't say I just like blessed childhood, but I got one part of it, which is my mother's love. And my mother was able to love because she had a husband who had, who was a, I wouldn't say he's like the knew all the skills I know, but the skills weren't necessary. What women in that generation needed was a man who was a good provider and was a gentleman, not all these romantic skills. And she had her dream because she was in that, that consciousness of the time of she wanted to have children, seven children and a white picket fence was her dream and mm. she got it. And so, and as time passed, as the children were getting older, she now could start her business. She continued her business as the children left. You know, this can be for everybody if we had a culture that supported that men and women have different needs at different times of their life. And not that everybody has to do it, but right now people can't do it. And we should have an economy and as such that awakens us to this idea and it's possible. And I'm holding on to this, but it doesn't mean that women can't have jobs and can't be corporate heads and can't be military people or whatever. It doesn't mean that. It means that whatever you do as a woman, you also have a need to get a certain kind of support to support your femininity. And so what we have today is this hyper, hypersensitive, because see, we go back and forth from male and female. We don't have, we're not grounded in our masculine while we're having our feelings. And while we're having our feelings, 
our, our masculine isn't there to tell us you're overreacting. Just, you know, the hard truth is anytime you're judging your partner, you're upset, you're mad, you're not forgiving, you're depressed, you're, anytime you're overreacting. This is the foundation of Western psychology is Freud. While people can criticize Freud for some of his crazy ideas, that's the basic. All unhappiness is an overreaction. And what was mm. it? Jung, I know we're finishing up here. I just want to give a quote from Jung. And I'm not good at other people's quotes, but I wrote this one down because I like it so much. Heard it recently. And Jung was really good about understanding the male and female to quite an extent. Uh, I, it was a little too esoteric for me to understand, but he opened the door for some of those ideas to come down. Uh, this is a Jung, Carl Jung, great psychologist. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. All of us today often call it karma. You know, oh, that's just my karma. No, that's your unconscious mind controlling your life rather than you taking the steering wheel. And how you do that is not letting the unconscious control you, which means to become self-aware of when you're not being loving, when you're not being true to yourself, when you're not being a noble warrior. Look at that and explore it, analyze it, and see that that's not the person you are, and change your behavior, change your behavior. Now, that's a one-sided teaching. That's half of what I teach for men. There's another side because you are born more on your female side because you have higher consciousness, and your mother's hormones were probably balanced. I'm not, not talking to you. I'm talking to men of your generation that, on average, not every man, has this low testosterone issue. What these boys need is a knowledge of what are the things that keep me from developing my masculinity and what are the things that will increase it and talking about your feelings with a girlfriend or with a with a female is not what you need to be doing that will just make you more feminine that puts you in the friend zone and then she doesn't like you anyway she wants you to get that out of you and then she's not turned on to you this is going to happen over and over these guys the girls are going to lose interest in you what they want is a guy who can suck it up and and then <laughs> here's a funny joke Men are all such emotionally unavailable guys. They're so narcissistic. And yet, why did you have sex with them? Because they turned you on in the beginning. And then what happens is women don't know their role, which is why they lose interest in that man is because they shut down. You see, when you say a man is emotionally unavailable, she's emotionally unavailable. When you say a man is selfish, she's a selfish. He may also be somewhat selfish, but you want a selfish man who says me first before the rest of the world. That's why, you know, while some people, I didn't vote for Trump and people didn't like Trump. Now I would only vote Republican for right now. Democrats are going nuts. This is just my opinion. But the absolutely crazy cuckoo, like we don't have a budget, you know, we can just make up all this money. Inflation going so crazy. Uh, insanity, what's going on here. Anyway, so they've made me Republican and they're making a lot of people Republican. I live in California. Somebody just said to me, how can you still live there? I said, only because I have the best house in Mill Valley which is the nicest place in the world. And my children all have nice homes too. <laughs> they don't want to move. I'd be in Florida right now with no hesitation. This is so nonsensical, so controlling, all in the, in the name of woke. You know, this is, this is a crazy place. We see, ironically, it's because we are more awake. This is the big awakening, is that we're now, women are becoming aware of their male side, but disowning their female. And men are becoming aware of their female side, but disowning their male side. So when you can't love yourself as different from the opposite sex, you can't hear anything which is different from you. You become tribal. 
See, tribalism is an age of a stage of uh, evolution where you find yourself with people who think like you. Well, that's what the internet has done to us. Now you just can hear only the people who think like you, as opposed to having debate, having conversation, having people with opposite perspectives have to compromise. That's what marriage is. That's what a relationship is. That's a challenge that we can overcome with the right skills, without the right skills that I teach. And I don't see anybody else. There's nobody on the planet teaching this. This is this, this is a lone star out there, just like Minute from Mars was a huge breakthrough. This is huge. And the time has come where people will start to suffer so much. They'll wake up and say, I need to think differently. And that's the, you know, what Churchill said about Americans is that you can always count on Americans to do the wrong thing over and over until they finally wake up and change and lead the world. And why do we lead the world? Because we have more freedom. We have more freedom than anywhere in the world. This is such nonsense when they talk about all this racism and terrible. The, the worst part of America has been we had an apex of freedom and now we're going down. But that's called the dark night of the soul. Every time things are good, things get dark. Why? To bring the light in and transform the dark. And it's only through suffering that it happens. And you don't have to suffer. It's optional. If you wake up and you start doing the right thing, start realizing you're wrong, you made a mistake, we're going the wrong direction, we need to correct this. I haven't had an insight about how people now introduce themselves, which is I'm a binary or I'm a something, I'm a something. I, where did this come from? And I finally realized it. The way Facebook started was you were reporting on Facebook your status. And mm -hmm. then you know, it started, it's like, I'm a single woman. <laughs> I'm a single man. <laughs> now you're all over the place. Regardless of what you think you are, you're lying to yourself. You're a man or you're a woman and you're single or you're not. And that's the reality. You're in a monogamous relationship or you're not. And women, before you have sex, you should make sure you're in a monogamous relationship. Because that's a whole nother thing. This jumping in the sex thing. It's just an addiction. What will happen is you'll never form a lasting commitment. You first have to bond for a man. You feel sexual attraction, but you don't culminate with an ejaculation until you have emotional attraction and then mental attraction and then sort of same values, which I call spiritual attraction. Then you culminate. Otherwise, you'll just pour your soul into a woman that doesn't love you. Mm. And then I tell them, don't just have sex with a guy. First, men get naked mentally, then emotionally, then physically, and then maybe he'll call back. Maybe there's a chance for a relationship. And unfortunately, mm. when people have no testosterone, why we even have a relationship? Or when women are just on their male side, <laughs> they have, they're disconnected with the female part of her body that says, I need a man to make a baby. I need a man to make a baby. And how many women today can't even make babies? And how many more women today don't even want to make babies? Not that I'm saying everybody needs to make a baby, but actually it's part of being human, family, growing up together, values and legacy. The legacy you have is a family that has your values. And if you have successful family with your values, people trust you. Then you share your values through your work and in your work, those values get transmitted. In my case, my books are my legacy, you know, and it's, it's wonderful to know that they will live on, but even more. What would you say to those who have yet to decide they have something worthy to leave behind for, for as a legacy? What would you say to the younger John who hasn't written a book yet? What would you say to him? Who's yet to I decide? I was never thinking about legacy. I was, no. I was thinking, I was thinking about, self-realization 28 years old is when your brain is possible to have self-realization they say that's when they actually this part of the brain is finally developed and self-realization is knowing who you are 
that you're a good person, you're a capable person. You may not know what you're going to do in the world, but you're a good person. You're capable, you're loving, you're strong, you have commitment, you have virtues. You've developed virtues up to 28 years old. Then that's when it dawned on me. It took a while for me to get what my purpose was. Now, I thought my purpose was just to get enlightened, and that's purely selfishness, okay? And I did. I got enlightened at 28. I knew myself. That's when I left my guru. I didn't need a guru anymore. I went off. I had no idea what I was going to do. That's when I became homeless. I go, oh, you know, God will take care of me. And, and of course, nothing happened. I'm on the beach. So, but again, I'm a privileged person. I was able to call up my mother and say, mom, would you give me some money? She says, only if you get a job. And I said, well, I can't really get a job right now. This is going to pay much. Would you pay for my education? Because I already had a, a master's degree in Eastern philosophy, because that's a different thing. But from the university in Europe, but the a practical thing. So my brothers are all in the computer science. So I went to computer science school for six months. I learned how to do COBOL, worked those gigantic computers back in those days and got a job at Stanford Research Institute where my brother was the manager. And my brother's also esoteric like me. So it took me about six months to know his job, to do everything he did. And he said, I want to go on a retreat to Tibet. I leave it to you. So I suddenly said, okay, I'll run the show. And now I was getting paid 10 times more than what I was paid when I started. So again, I did it. I'm good at it. That was, I found something I'm good at, but it wasn't my mission and purpose. So ironically, it just caused huge neck pain, just huge neck pain. I just, you know, I was making good money. I was saving it up to do what I wanted to do. Cause what I found out I wanted to do was help people have better uh, sex lives. Uh, ironically, when you're celibate for nine years, when you start coming out in the world and having sex, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. So I thought, okay, this is something new I can learn. So I just interviewed women who uh, I said, you know, I've been a monk for nine years, but I'd like to make love to you and know what makes you feel good. It, you know, I want you to help educate me. And that was actually very seductive for women. I first read their palms, get to know them. And also most of these women I was with, and there were several, was was their TM meditators. So I was a bit of celebrity in the TM movement. So it wasn't like it was just coming in uh, without advantages. So I came in with advantages without a doubt, but I share what I learned from that. So my first courses I taught uh, after I saved up enough money to start a seminar business from my computer programming, because it was causing suffering in my body to do that. So I knew that wasn't the right thing. It's just too painful to keep doing, but I prepared for when I to teach classes. And my first classes is what I was learning which was, uh, it was called, um, what were my first classes called? Making Love Work. That was my second one. Enlightened Sexuality. Back mm. then, I was teaching men how to have orgasms without ejaculation. And it wasn't as good as it is now. Then I was just using the, uh, the Kegel technique, which is pulling it back, pulling it back. And that just gave me prostatitis because uh, you can get infections that way. Uh, mm. And so you have to be careful with this pulling back thing as opposed to not pulling back. Just slow down at, before you get to the point of no return and shake it up and then uh, start over again, start over. Another thing for men to know is don't put your penis all the way in. You just start on the outside, slowly, slowly titillate her, gradually going in, gradually going in. And then you'll see if, if you go right in, I would premature ejaculate. I mean, it's too much for my body. I have to slowly let it warm up. Now, some men can't ejaculate, because they don't have much feeling. You see, they're more detached in life. They have more testosterone. So if you go way one side, more testosterone, you can't ejaculate. Low testosterone, you ejaculate right away because you can feel so much energy. Your estrogen goes up. It feels so good. 
So for me, I had to learn to like, all right, don't get too, too high on the pleasure thing, get before the point and just start moving there. And, and, and that also applies huge pleasure just enjoy the pleasure. And it's sort of an old Tibetan idea, which is don't grasp at life. Don't grasp, you know, it's want what you have. I wrote a whole book on how to get what you want and want what you have. And, and I'll close. Uh, I know our time's up, but I, I was just listening to a talk of another teacher and she was uh, talking of power. And it was kind of funny to hear a woman talking about this, nothing about love at all. But she was saying, all of us, our number one focus is power. You know, how much money does that person have? How much money do I have? What, what status does that person have? What can they do better than me? What can I do better? And that's true. We're always measuring that all the time, consciously or subconsciously. That's a part of the picture. And then she said, you know, and you give away your power. You want to hold your power. And how do you give your way your power? And she said, this great example. She had her pen she was writing on the wall with, you know, like a little cheap pen, uh, a marker, uh, and kind of like the size of a penis. And she's holding that marker. And she said, now, does anybody want this marker? Or is anybody like one up there wishing you had this marker? And nobody wishes they had the marker. And I said, good, then you're empowered. Because if you wanted that marker, I'm not giving it to you. You just lost your power. Wanting what you can't have drains you of power, reinforces mm. your weakness. So when you're looking at a woman going, I wish I could have her and I can't, you just lost your power. You see these fake women and you think that they want you and they don't. It's fantasy. You just lost your power. You're giving away your power by wanting something you can't have. As opposed to wanting what you do have and being satisfied with life and wanting more. So that's another book good for people. So anyway, somebody was in their 20s. That's the book I tell them to read. How mm. to get what you want and want what you have. Then when you get in your 30s, I tell you, at any stage, I tell you, read this book because you got to learn the, the hormone difference between men and women. Because to deny differences means to deny the reality of who you are. It's the emperor has no clothes. This is all nonsense. And trans is nonsense. This is insanity. And I'll say it. And you, let me just explain what you do when your child is trans. Because boys are born with higher estrogen levels. Even a non-trans boy is going to have the estrogen levels of a girl from age 2 to 13. And now many boys, because of low testosterone, are not hitting puberty till 14 or 15. So you've got this kid and the school teachers are praying. They're actually having classes for trans kids telling them, hey, you can be a girl if you want. You like dresses. You like sewing. You like being doing this. You like talking about your feelings. You could be trans. That's who you are. This is all a time a child doesn't even know who they are until after puberty. That's called disidentification from being my parents. So now I'm going to find out who I am. And that's a time to be tribal. It's a time for boys to be with boys, girls to be with girls, to develop those hormone systems by saying, I'm like you, you're like me. It's completely inhibiting the development of these children. And then, then to take hormones, it's horrible. Already they're going to die younger. No question about it. They're going to have all kinds of serious health issues from taking those hormones. But the psychological issues are huge as well. And they were already there. The psychological issue is, hey, you know, I don't really relate to my body. You know, something is my brain is different from my body. There's a confusion. Yes, there is. And you cure that by giving opportunities for those boys who are more effeminate. Never shame them for that, but then encourage behaviors with other boys that are with always met with adult supervision, particularly father supervision. So that's your coach. That's your all-boy teams with coaches is one activity that they should be encouraged to do. They should be encouraged to be in competition 
not this competition where everybody gets a trophy. <laughs> no, it's like you, you lose, you win and you lose. That's part of being a man. You're going to win and you're going to lose. And over time, you're going to realize what you can win at the most because it's painful to lose. So this is all nicey, nicey stuff, not good for our kids, but also not to spank them. That just makes them more feminine. When you spank, you create more estrogen in them. Now, some children, well, there's more of my parenting. I teach that in my parenting book. So I just wanted to share all that with the noble warriors. You know, we want to just stop knocking our testosterone down, know that the culture is pushing the estrogen up. We need to do things that emphasize being with men, talking about what we think with men, not dwelling so much on what we feel. Just want you to know that, particularly in your early 20s and 30s, not so much on what you feel. As you get older, then you, you practice more processing your emotions and feelings. But first, you need to have the circuits in your brain. The go-to circuits in your brain need to be masculine. Then you can bring it over the feminine and stay in your masculine. So this is a dance to do. And I, I know it's hard. Being a man is hard. Being a woman is hard. I remember being a little boy watching my dad shave. Little tiny boy watching. And I thought, oh, that's what men do. I, I don't know how to shave. It felt like a huge burden on me. Just that one little thing. But then he taught me how to do it. And I'll teach you and you'll learn. So life is tough if you don't have instruction on how to be. But if you have instructions of how to be and what to do, you gain your confidence, you gain your strength, and then you have dignity. Dignity of masculinity. That's the only way it comes from. You don't get dignity by being soft and feminine, loving and sweet. You don't get dignity that way. You get dignity by selfless, selflessness, overcoming challenges, accomplishing goals, developing skills, doing things that will be helpful to others, but first of all, helpful to you and your future. So it's a selfish time. You need to look towards yourself until you get to your relationship time. That's when you start becoming more selfless and then you're ready to have children where you can be totally selfless. And then you can learn to become, then you self-actualize. That's when you are, it's not about you. I didn't write Men from Mars for me. I wrote Men from Mars. That's the time in my 40s where you start to self-actualize if you have a foundation of intimacy. I talk about all those stages of development in my book, How to Get What You Want, Want What You Have. So those people are interested in that might check that book out as well. John, uh, Confucius, you, as you're speaking, uh, one quote from Confucius came to mind. He says, 自身起家治国平天下 means self-mastery, family, country, world. So as you're speaking, what I'm hearing is yeah. this place of, hey, focus on the body, testosterone, right? Get your, focus on your self-mastery and self-realization. And once you get to a place, then you relate, right? You know, uh, family, country, and world. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Um, and you know, what, what I'm just hearing right now is I, I hear you. I'm thinking about, you know, in terms of the Maharishi and his teaching, he always talked about the cosmic consciousness, which is the self-realization, who you are, self-mastery, and, and then God consciousness. And that's love, you know, and you find God through your partner and your family. And then there's uh, your community. That's unity consciousness where you're here to serve others. Because as I help others, I feel I feel enriched. And that's the primary source of happiness. Wow, what a great, great quote from Confucius. Say it again. I want to remember it. 自身其家治国平天下. Translation, that's what I need to remember. <laughs> <laughs> Self-mastery, family, country, world. That's so beautiful. Yeah.
<laughs> John, I, I so appreciate you sharing your your wisdom so beautifully. You you have lived a a huge life, very many different modalities, traverse different realms, you know, from being a monk to you know being an author to you know having this media empire right, impacting people all over the world, uh, and and it will continue to uh, impact people even after you're gone. Um, Oh, so, and, you know, I have to add myself, you know, there's sort of a badge of honor if you get uh, canceled these days, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I was canceled in 2001. Were you? Yes, I was kicked off of all national TV, couldn't teach at Harvard, couldn't teach at Stanford. Oprah wouldn't let me on a show. All of a sudden it just happened. I got too big. The narrative, see the narrative then, see right now we have a narrative. You can't, if your narrative, if you go against the narrative, you're off to YouTube. Well, we didn't have YouTube then. We had national media. And one day was never invited back and nobody could understand it. But at the higher level, it's like, it's too, he's too sexist. That's all it takes. He's too sexist. And that is the narrative. Anybody who talks about gender differences is a sexist because ultimately you see part of this whole, the corrupt people want to disempower you. People need to know that this culture wants to disempower you. And what most people don't know is in ancient Egyptian days, the Pharaoh subjugated the Jewish people as slaves by switching the roles. Women were allowed to do men's work. Men were only allowed to do women's work, clean the house, raise the children and cook. Women did the work outside. That was the Pharaoh's way of disempowering the Jews so that they wouldn't seek freedom. And then people can say, oh, well, they finally got out of there. Only 20% left. The others chose to follow the, the, the abuser, this is Stockholm syndrome and also role reversal. And, but 20% escaped. And those are the ones that survived. The others didn't survive. This is all like amazing stuff. And we see it right now happening in the world. It's the cycles happening again. Amazing. But this time we're, we had the great awakening. People like you sharing the wisdom, noble warrior, what it means to be masculine, what it means to be a good, good man. What amazing stuff. I would recommend other books I recommend is Warren Farrell. He has a book called Why Men Are the Way They Are uh, and several other books. And uh, he's a good friend of mine as well. We, we have walks every week discussing our ideas. Mm. Uh, he, uh, amazing teacher. I think he'd also be very helpful for the Noble Warriors. Oh, cool. Thank you so much, Sean.